Hello and welcome to A Your Right Pal by me, Roscoe Burns, a podcast dedicated to men chatting about their mental health. The podcast is a way for men to share, to discuss and be open about their mental health. Listeners are advised that some of the topics may be triggering with potential mentions of addiction, self-harm, abuse and suicide. With that being said, I feel these topics are important to talk about and to share. And I hope you enjoy this episode of Your Eight Pal. Hey everyone, and welcome back to a new episode of Your Eight Pal. So today I am joined by two people. One is intelligent, smart, just such a really, really good person, and you know, a support in my life. And the other one is Julie. <laughs> I'm kidding on. So, <laughs> so basically, I'm joined by my sister Julie and my nephew Lucas. So Lucas is just here. He's going to say hello, aren't you? Hello. <laughs> and where are you? Hello. Okay. So you're going to go and look after the baby, aren't you? Yep. So in all seriousness, um, I'm joined by my good and supportive and fantastic sister Julie, who is I've mentioned in the podcast previously and yeah how much older are you 14 (laughs) years 14 years so when did you start your nursing career i started my nursing career in 1991 right Uh, so i've been qualified for over i think my maths isn't great but 30 years i knew from a very early age that i wanted to work with people with learning disabilities but when i was about probably 16 17 I knew then that I wanted to be a nurse, but I wanted to be a nurse working with people with a learning disability. Aye, because I think as well, like from stories um, that my mum's told me, you know, you've always had like that caring personality. Um, She would always say that. And also as well, I'm going to mention some. (laughs) So when I was younger, uh, I wouldn't let you at my side, would you? No. So it was to the point where, did you have to like basically escape plan? Yeah, I used to have to plant my shoes and my jacket outside the door and trick you saying that I was only going to be away for five minutes, which on hindsight wasn't probably the best way of doing it, so that I could actually get out the door. I know, I always said that I'd done everything but give birth to you. which is true. (laughs) So that that probably leads into... My next question is, how have you seen learning disabilities in people with LD manage their mental health? Is there a stigma because they almost have like that dual diagnosis? You'll probably find that people with a learning disability have higher prevalence of having a mental health issue. As well. And that is normally to do with their brain that's slightly different from everybody else's, but also as well to do with the it could be traumas in life we, it's it's known that people with a learning disability are more open to abuse no. financial sexual yep. uh, they're targeted so when you look at all that together that again leads for people who have a learning disability to have yeah. a mental health because yeah, they are more them i think they're uh, the most vulnerable people in our yeah. society and our community you know um because they are open to being easily led, manipulated, used, and your horror stories, and I'm sure that because yeah. you work as an LD nurse, 
you've seen it all, you know, sort yeah. of thing. How do you feel about, you've been to appointments with um, your patients and stuff, so see anybody who's not got experience with LD, have you seen almost like they don't know how to treat them or they, they, they talk to you, they don't talk to them because they don't see them do you know what I mean yeah because they think that to them like and this isn't a, this isn't this isn't a, a judgment this is because I've seen it so mm-hmm. I'm asking you this purely because I've seen that and it isn't a judgment of other people it's just how they maybe just don't know how to interact yeah. with people with learned disabilities you normally find that people that have not got any training or are not specialised in learning disability, you will find if you go to an appointment, they'll speak to the carer, the family member or whoever's supporting them rather than speaking to Aye. the person. Again, a learning disability, you could, you've got mild, moderate, severe, uh, so the person could have a mild learning disability and just want a wee bit of moral support going to an appointment. So you do find that people who have not experienced with people with learning disability do kind of overlook Aye. the person sitting there and will directly speak to the person that's supporting them. And that, again, is can stigmatise and it does people with a learning disability they do understand that there is I mean there there can be communication difficulties (coughs) but if you're supporting somebody to an appointment then it's your role then to support that person through using whatever communication system that they use or uh, helps them to get their issue over also as well that a lot when it comes down to mental health uh, problems or concerns is that if they've not got experience in work with people with learning disabilities you always find that the learning disability is the cause of the problem mm-hmm. so they never look at the mental health issue and okay. address and target so they, they, they don't separate them in a way no. so basically they will just um, and I hate to use this word but blame the learning yeah. dis- disability rather than seeing that somebody can have a mild learning disability uh, to moderate and also have you know depression anxiety mm-hmm. if I mean I work in a community team and we've got a, a specialist psychology psychiatry that work really well so within teams and within hospital settings you will have psychiatrists and medical staff that are trained mm-hmm. and working with people with disabilities and that's where we get most of it I work in a support from they're, they're very very good it's just when you go to like in a kind of general I say mental health service where sometimes we need to do that you look at legislation now and it says that people with a mild learning disability can access general mental health services and that's where the issue then occurs for people that have got say a mild learning disability because people haven't got that experience experience within it yeah you said there and you mentioned that you're a community nurse and how do you find your patients that live in the community do you find that they're, they're able to cope with the support of yourselves and stuff and obviously other like learning yeah. teams and stuff yeah I work in a, a community team and it's a multi-agency so I'm a joint okay. team I work with social work and health you are all in the same building yeah, yeah, it's, yeah it's like, so right. we're uh, co-located in the one building which is really really good as well it's got its advantages and disadvantages okay. but within the community I'm as I say learning disability trained but also my experiences in 
mental health uh, and that's something that you don't often get tr- because I'm a learned disability nurse you look at more the learned disability conditions through your training okay. but it's over years of experience working with other professionals learning Aye. from other professionals doing my own training yeah. doing your core training within what you have to do as a nurse mm. that you do like uh, take your, your own development further Can I ask what is your role that you were talking about within the team that you're in? My role within the team is I'm a community charge nurse and I'm uh, responsible for the other nurses that I work with. Case manage their caseloads and we review all our cases on a regular basis through a weight management tool. Okay, and I take it that's looking at what the needs of your patients are, so if it's like health conditions or appointments or even... um, Signposting to other services, or is that right? Yeah, that's some of the things we do amongst. Okay. And how many are in your team? We currently have four nurses. Four nurses, yeah. and you're the charge nurse of the four. Uh, three. Three. So, so yourself and three other nurses. You've got a manager. I'm yeah. guessing. Yeah. See the the meetings that you were talking about. Are they weekly? Did you say? The, we, we normally have reviews, review, review our cases probably every three to four weeks, okay. but we would do that on a daily basis. Aye, because you're kind of talking anyway, so yeah. if anyone was to come up, you are there and yeah. you can just like talk to, talk to each other, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. They're right. As far as like caseloads, so other nurses that I've been speaking to in certain areas in Glasgow, you know, they're working in cases of where it's a, it's a high number, basically. That's what I'm trying to say, you know. Um, and it becomes unmanageable in a way. Because my understanding of nursing is that person centered approach. So if there's a high caseload, then that might get lost. So mm. are you able to manage your caseload? Yeah, I mean, the person is always at the foremost of everything. They're at the centre of their care and within our team anyway they have got a say in their care and at currently at the moment we sit with high caseloads but we're able to manage that and we're able to manage that is because one we all work really hard Aye. to make that happen and two we do have regular reviews of all our cases we discuss cases whenever we need to if something was to happen with one of your patients and obviously if a colleague something happened to one of their patients these are in regular contact with each other yeah, so what we would look at is we would look at a priority list. <coughs> Excuse me. So if somebody requires as priority one say, and I would make sure that I know that other nurse's case. If anything was to ever happen, they were to go off sick or they needed additional Aye. support. So being the charge nurse, that would be one of my roles to make sure that anybody that needs it's got a, a case where the person needs additional support then I would know about that and you cover Inverclyde is that right yeah, so we, is that Greenock Gourock and the port no we cover from Quarriers uh, Bridge of Weir right down to uh, Wimsby Quarriers still going yeah no no Quarriers is a, is a, a large uh, still? area still yeah mm-hmm. All right okay is that independent living up there it, <clears throat> they have independent living and have residential okay Right, okay. And also in Greenock, is there still residentials going on as well? Yeah. Yeah. So within my caseload, I'll have somebody maybe living with their families, uh, carers, they've got independent living, residential, supported living so there's uh, there's different types of accommodation Aye. that people live in yeah 
And you obviously mentioned there about families. Yeah. So I'm guessing that you don't just work with the patient, you you support families as well. Yeah. Can you tell me a bit about that? Is that something that you find easy to do? Is it, you know... Yeah, you look at it as like that kind of holistic approach. Aye, so if lot. you are working with somebody that's a learning disability and mental health problem that are living with their families, we would work initially with the patient Aye. because that's where the need is. But also as well, we would support the uh, additional family as well. And that could be through education it could be through signposting to other services and or else it could be supporting to appointments we do we do have we do have uh, families that i have patients that have got maybe a mum and dad who have a learning disability i have patients that maybe their parents have I had mental health issues as well so you're you're looking at involving other services that involve with them so we look at it together together so one of the questions I kind of wanted to ask was about Covid how did you cope um, during Covid because obviously it was a difficult time for everybody but for nurses and community nurses yourselves especially how did you manage it like everybody else it's a very difficult time two of the band fives that I worked Band 5 nurses that I worked with, they get moved to district nursing to support uh, them. So that left myself and my nurse leader. Mm -hmm. We still had a duty of care Mm -hmm. to see patients that phoned in. Mm -hmm. We didn't have a regular day-to-day face-to-face contact, but we still had to go and visit patients in need. We also supported GPs Mm -hmm. with COVID assessments. And I need to highlight that we did go and visit patients with our PPE on. Aye, so these were fully PPE'd, but these patients were high risk, I suppose, because they were still needing support. I don't mean high risk of COVID, I mean high risk as in they still needed to, to be seen. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So regardless, you've had a duty of care like you just mentioned there. Maybe this is maybe too personal, but did did you lose any patients? Yeah, we did and I struggled with that Aye. for a while. We were going out and supporting GP with COVID assessments and you were you were part of that mm-hmm. and I really struggled for a long time after okay. that. What was the GP assessments for? Was It It was to assess to see if the person had COVID. So I'm talking about oh, way right, right okay. in the beginning. Right, okay. We knew our patients probably a bit better oh, well, and known better than the, the GP. So we went out and we followed the instructions and the advice from the GP mm. and fed back. The GPs must have been so thankful to you, I suppose. I've got do, you th- have, do you have good relationships with them? Yeah, we've got really good relationships in, in Reclade with most GPs. But the GP that I had worked alongside was very grateful. And a few months later, I was discussing something else with her over the phone. She thanked me again for the work that I had done previous months. Yeah. And you don't often get that. And I just felt she really appreciated and recognised what, what I had done for that patient. Yeah, obviously as well, our mother <laughs> yeah. ended up in hospital um, and pretty much 
nearly died, didn't she? Yeah. You know? And it was the same. There was no way that I would have stayed back from my mum. No. And I was working every day. Again, I was so thankful that we had PPE. Aye. I know. Getting into my mum and dad's aye. house uh, when both of them were, were ill. But I wouldn't have had it any other way. No, absolutely not. We're lucky that she was a fighter. Mm-hmm. And she is absolutely fine now. Um, well, when I say fine, my mum's... <laughs> she's... <laughs> She's a a lawn herself in a riot, but what a riot she is. <laughs> an absolute amazing riot. Um, so going back to like obviously your role in learned disabilities and mental health, the cor- correlation with the both of them. Um, what sort of mental health issues do you see your patients um, having? They have, it can range from somebody having depression, anxiety, psychosis, uh, mood disturbances. Mm-hmm. So it could be a, a range, uh, just something as simple as, it's not simple, but low mood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But saying that it's simple, it sounds simple. Yeah, you know, but it's not. But it's not. To somebody that's got low mood. I, I take it, do patients get medicated for? It depends. It, it depends. depends. Again, that's, again, they'll be assessed. And uh, that's by, can I ask, sorry to button, but see, that decision, I take it you have a very important role in deciding as well. I know GPs prescribe, however, I'm sure that they must ask you. Oh yeah, uh-huh. we would monitor if somebody had displayed or came and spoke with me about having a mental health issue, we would look at it and we would assess that. We would right. use assessment tools uh, to look at either scoring, there's different assessment tools we can use yep. to assess somebody's mm. mental health. Uh-huh. We would then speak to the psychiatrist within okay. our team and look at for a full assessment by the psychiatrist. Sometimes GPs will phone us and ask us for additional support. Okay. If somebody's known to our team, then we would ask the psychiatrist to see them just due to them having more experience with learning disabilities and mental health. So our role would be to look at assessing, feeding that Aye. information back to the psychiatrist, the psychiatrist assessing whether the, the psychiatrist will say monitor or Aye. give medication. Aye. It's then back to the nurse to do that monitoring, mm-hmm. doing that education training, Aye. doing that signposting on, reviewing medication, reviewing side effects. So that will be then come back to the nurse uh-huh. to look at uh, after that uh, patient. And what we're wanting is we don't want somebody to be on a medication for years. No. We want to look at if somebody is medicated, we want to look at the their, their environment, how can we then make their life better, what else can we offer to support that person and with somebody with a learning disability that could take a wee bit longer than the general public just due to their learning and their level of learning but that's something we'd be looking at so we just don't look at medication, we look at the bigger picture. Aye, you know in the previous podcast I did we were talking about access to therapy and stuff and obviously there is a, a huge waiting list unless you go private Um, but there is also other solutions and like you said there's like a signposting obviously an assessment scoring system sort of thing put in place but it's just good that what I'm trying to get at is it's just good that your patients aren't just going to be medicated instantly and it's not the first solution yeah any therapies that we would offer within our team would be adapted for For. somebody who has a learning disability so my next question is you've got two sons you've got two nephews I've got four nephews so that's a lot of boys and with the boys you know I know this I know the answer to this question but are you the type of person that if any of them was to come to you 
you would be open to discussing mental health and you know that they would know that you are they'd feel comfortable coming to Oh, speaking de- to you, you definitely know. yeah I've got a good relationship with both my boys but I'm, I'm very very open and I would want them to come to me if they had any kind of issues with their mental health yeah. uh, so you've got we'll mention because Lucas obviously spoke at the start so Lucas is 12 mm-hmm. Aaron now is 25 mm-hmm. right yeah so obviously that's a big age gap yep. but yeah so and then the other two are like 24, mm-hmm. 22, aren't they? So they're, they're men. They're men, yeah. well, immature men, but no, yeah. they're men. Um, and myself as well. So you are open. They will be able to come to you. Yeah. Absolutely no issues, yeah. yeah. And they know that. Yeah, and they know that. Uh, currently, Lucas has some problems with his, his mental health. Okay, he's so how do you recognise that, if you don't mind me asking? He was becoming more fearful of things within the community when we were walking our dog. He was frightened in case he get kidnapped. He was thinking people were taking pictures of him, were looking at him when maybe we were in shopping uh, in the community. And it just started to highlight to me that that he was becoming really anxious about say, different situations, uh, different situations. So it kind of started taking a monitor, look at it, and then eventually spoke to Lucas, who said that things weren't right in his mind. I know for a 12-year-old that is um, hard to hear. However, yeah. extremely important that we highlight this yeah. because it's not just adults. No. It's children, yeah. Um, and twelve is young. However, it's yeah. amazing that he's able to explain to you what maybe not what's going on in his mind because it may not because sometimes I don't understand my yeah. mind. Do you know what I mean? But he's able to talk to you, yeah. and you were able to speak to him, which is yeah. amazing. And this is just reflecting on him attending school. He's getting no issues at school at all, but just his attendance is very low. Because one thing, though, we'd need to uh, mention is both your boys are extremely intelligent. Yeah. Aaron is one of the most intelligent people I know. Mm-hmm. Need common sense. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> but <laughs> Absolutely need common sense, but... One of the most intelligent people I know, and um, Lucas is becoming very much like that as well. Yeah. Just you can see the intelligence in him. Yeah, is that, yeah. Is that a good assessment? That's a really good assessment. So uh, of the two of them. with Lucas as well, being twelve, you know that intelligence he might struggle with that. Yeah. obviously with the emotional intelligence. Yeah, he's going into puberty. Yep. Do you know what I mean? Taking all that into consideration, and I was uh, fortunate enough for Lucas to be referred to an organisation in Inverclyde uh, called Man On. They were fantastic with Lucas. He's slightly younger than their age range, but because the referral went in, uh, they they accepted Lucas's referral. Lucas had uh, one-to-one sessions Mm. with uh, a counsellor, and he was fantastic. From that, it gave Lucas the opportunity just to speak to somebody Mm -hmm. outside his family. Mm -hmm. It gave him security. It also gave him a safe place. 
and I was so fortunate they accepted his referral. Mm. Lucas goes to now, from his individual sessions, uh-huh. he now goes to a group okay. in Manon. The guy, Peter, that's been nom- nominated for the award is a uh, supports Lucas in that group now. So Lucas has went from one-to-one session to, to group. a group session, right. which he loves. Mental health within men is just so prevalent. Yeah. And it's important that we are open about it, yeah. you know. And you do, you do worry. That that's one of the things that I worried about most. Like, especially when Aaron was growing up, rather than them being out drinking alcohol or or, or taking drugs, ah. it was more about his mental health mm-hmm. and how he coped with situations, how he coped with life, how he coped with changes within his life. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it is uh, the fourth most. Uh, I think uh, a mother, a parent. Mm-hmm a carer's mind and it's a worry when your adult sons or even your children mm-hmm. start to develop and grow and uh, like I said he's doing extremely well Aaron for even things with his brother mm-hmm. uh, supporting his brother and probably that again for Lucas was another trigger mm-hmm. for his anxiety was his brother had uh, moved out because they are close yeah you know and with the age gap as well it's kind of like me and you i suppose they are extremely close aaron eh, sorry lucas will talk about aaron he never he never calls him aaron he always says my brother my brother i think that did affect lucas it affected all the family when uh, aaron moved out i think it probably affected lucas the, the most so do you now understand why Mama is this way she is with me then, I? Yes, I do understand now why you're the golden child. Right, so let's, because like, so. <laughs> My mum doesn't really make, uh, she doesn't really hide the fact that maybe yeah. I'm, I'm our, I'm our favourite. I'm our, I. She tries to kid on that Ross is near favourite, but. Ross is our favourite. Right, and also as well, right, I'm going to tell a wee funny, quick funny story. So when, during COVID, I think it was like, I can't remember which stage of COVID it was, but me and you were going shopping. Yeah. Now you had done so much for her, done absolutely everything for her, and um, I went shopping with you one time, and we phoned her, and it was on the speaker, and I was speaking to her, and I said, you know, me and Julie are going to go get you stuff. And I told her what we got her, um, it was sweeties and stuff that she enjoyed anyway. And she just went, oh, son, you're absolutely amazing. <laughs> you're just my, absolutely, you're some boy. But it was actually both of these that had done it, and you didn't get any credit at all. Now, one thing I want to say as well is, is you're not bitter, you're, you're never bitter, you've never said anything you just like you laugh because it's just obviously she loves us all yeah, equally we does. know that we know do you know that. what I mean she does but I've gave her things to worry about and also I don't live in a reclaimed you know what I mean mm-hmm. but you understand why she does yeah um, uh, act the way she acts with me because obviously she does worry yeah, she does. She does worry about you, and I can understand that. And you, totally, her being in Greenock and you being in Aye. Glasgow, that's a, a stress for my my mum as well. But she loves her boy. Aye, but we just it's <laughs> funny. It is funny. It is um, funny because we don't. You know, obviously, she, like we said, she she loves us all equally. But I I do get the the number one badge for some reason. <laughs> I think it's just because I'm our youngest. I'm our 
only boy and that's just the way it is sort of thing so big shout out to Betty <laughs> what a woman um, so another question is have you experienced mental health yourself? yeah over the years I've suffered probably more to do with kind of low mood mm. and especially after I had both boys Aye. as well yeah. I really suffered uh, from I wouldn't say uh, it was kind of classic postnatal depression but I definitely suffered from low mood and anxiety and currently I'm menopausal mm. and again struggling with anxiety and stresses mm. that I think every menopausal woman at my age through mm-hmm. so I think it's slightly different from when I was younger mm-hmm. the way I'm looking at the symptoms and how I'm feeling at the moment mm-hmm. but there is so many support groups people okay. are listening now I know I'm changing uh, we're diver- uh, digressing here no, 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 but, but it's just shown that over the years yeah. the stages in your life and now I'm a menopausal woman mm-hmm. supports are getting better there's okay. still a long way to go I- but Aye. they're getting better. Obviously, this is a men's mental health podcast. Yeah. However, one thing I am very much open about is having, I've got loads of female friends, all ages, and some have gone through the menopause, and us men know what that, how that feels, yeah. do you know what I mean? But if we've got women in our lives, Aye. then we need to understand, yeah. obviously, how it must feel, and obviously educate ourselves about menopause, and not looking at it as embarrassing or anything like you know we need to talk about it like just mental health yeah yeah and people experience different uh, symptoms through their menopause but also as well if you're within a relationship then it your partner then Mm. takes the brunt of some of how you're feeling Mm -hmm. and again that has an impact on a relationship yep, yep. so depending on whatever relationship you're, you're in mm-hmm. if your mood's low you're, you're anxious you're depressed mm-hmm. you that then does have an impact on your, your relationship so even though we're mentioning men, menopause it does have an impact on your partner's mental health as well and that's good that you are open there yeah. about it because it's good to talk about it as well but knowing there is support yeah. out there so to round it up, because my last question is, you know, what advice would you give to anybody who's maybe suffering from like a mental health issue? Or- I think it's just kind of realising yourself that there's something different within you and mm. something's not quite right to what you were like previously. And it's like, speak to somebody, mm. speak to somebody that you trust. If you don't have somebody that you trust, then speak to somebody that will listen to you. Use the internet mm-hmm. look at signposting mm-hmm. look at where you could go to even just speak to somebody you don't even need to speak to somebody on a phone now you can do it through emails and so text, and I text heard as well, yeah. Yeah. so it's just about making that connection mm-hmm. I think if you can make the first connection yeah. then things might look a bit easier yeah. it might then think okay I've contacted one person mm-hmm. and I've said this thing I can do the next step yeah and it's like taking those like wee steps yeah, and wee one step. step at a time yeah. and the next step like you mentioned there might be just a wee bit easier yeah. um, but it's just making that first contact yeah. which is in- extremely important you yeah. know and, and realising as well like you're not alone no you're, you're not alone and 
you'll probably find that somebody maybe you do trust or somebody you do speak to has either had experience with mm-hmm. their mental health or they know somebody in their family and they can give advice uh, and how then to get that help you need but it's like do do not sit and keep it to yourself no. sometimes people think nobody wants to hear it mm-hmm. or they're a burden they're a burden that's not true the, that's not the case no. you need to speak to somebody Absolutely. because that person can then signpost you on to the next person mm-hmm. to the next person to eventually you get the support the help that you need mm-hmm. and then if you can realise and get to that stage then you can help somebody else one thing I was just going to mention is I recently received an email and I think I may have put it online but it was just a stranger had emailed to say that they appreciated the podcast because mm-hmm. it just made them realise that they're not alone and um, it helped them and that's something that you know I it's hard to accept you're helping people mm-hmm. you know what I mean because I sometimes suffer or I think I've got imposter syndrome you know where mm. you, you feel like you're a fraud or you yeah. feel like you're not doing enough and this is where I have to remind myself a lot of the time is is doing this podcast is helping yeah and I think it's it's reaching out to people mm-hmm. that think that they ha- they nobody wants to listen to them they're the only person mm-hmm. that's probably suffered this mm-hmm. and I don't mean that in any kind of disrespectful way no. but it's no it's about learning how other people have coped how their journey has went and I think a podcast like what you're delivering is telling people you're not alone uh, exactly and you're yep. not alone getting yourself connected with somebody yep. And also, so this is the last thing that we'll say is that it's a good way to kind of end it because you're an invited guest for a few reasons, right? So obviously you're my sister, you're also an amazing support to me and a massive support system to myself. Um, but it's also to announce that season three is going to be open to everybody. So Yeah. So this is why you are on is because you're the first female to come on. And um, you know, I didn't want anybody else. So yeah. yeah, I really wanted you to be the first female, but also as well, season three will be open to absolutely anybody. So yeah. um, and it's because you know I feel like I've got to a stage with the podcast where at you've mentioned there it's reaching people yeah. that I never thought I would reach. So why not just open it up to yeah. the people that are maybe this is helping so yeah. yeah so that's an announcement um so see the three brilliant. yeah it's good it's changing your target group as well because mm-hmm. you're looking at men's health and if you are open up opening it up in your your third series but it's also looking at we as as a, a as a wife as well as a mother of two boys you're looking at then opening that up then gives me information mm-hmm. it also gives me confidence to know that then I can support mm-hmm. my husband my sons mm-hmm. or a colleague mm-hmm. it's just so a it male just colleague, a yeah. male colleague yeah. so it does open it up. women have contacted me and said as well that the podcast has kind of helped them understand maybe like their, their, their husband's yeah. mental health and it's just opening it up means that these or anybody who identifies I'm saying females but whatever you identify as it's not about gender it's what you identify as so anybody who comes on it's about them being able to share their stories now you know and that's what's exciting like I said I couldn't have asked for a better uh, guest to announce that with so but sharing is educating definitely so So, what a great way to end Uh, thank you yeah thank you no so 
I'm just going to say it again, thank you so much for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure. I'm sure that I don't want to meet your regular guest because <laughs> fucking hell, man, you'll take it. Well. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be. I'll have more scripts in. I know, I know. I can, I need to wash my back. <laughs> Next thing it'll be like uh, a new podcast. <laughs> <laughs> did you hear I was in the charts? I did. I, I was so super proud. Super thank proud you. of I was that. in the charts. I know. So everybody who listens, thank you so much because that wouldn't have that would never have happened if it wasn't for you guys. So thank you so much. Um, but I just don't come from a gig or I'll have to come after you <laughs> but no thank you and also so like I end you know every podcast it's just about please never ever think you're alone always try and speak to somebody reaching out is the biggest step and it may be that difficult you might find that it's difficult but once you make that step it does become easier I promise you that also as well I'm here I love messages I love 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 hearing from you so please keep those coming um, it really helps me not just with the podcast but steer the podcast you know I will be back soon with a new episode and a new season so that's exciting so I will speak to you all soon take care of yourself take care of each other and um, yeah just kindness costs nothing be kind be kind to yourself and be kind to each other. And I will speak to you all later. Thank you so much for support and the continued support. Speak to you later. Bye. So everyone, that was this week's episode of Your Right Pal by me, Roscoe Burns. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. The intro and outro music is brought to you by Laundry on the Wire by Holinzinka CC0. I've been your host Roscoe Burns and as always, look out for one another, look after yourself and remember, you're never alone. Just want to say thank you so much for listening and remember and never forget, there's always support, alright?